It is Monday over here in the Eastern Time Zone, so you know it's time for another Fight Talk podcast where we break down the weekend we just had. No preview this week. Uh, of course, the next UFC show event, April 10th, that'll be on ABC, is headlined by Darren Till and Marvin Vittori. We're going to break all that down, preview that. Uh, next week, this, this show today, a little lighter. Uh, we're, of course, going to be talking about everything from 260 couple of little news stories here and there, but uh, definitely a little breezier of a show than normal. Uh, of course, John Mosley, Stephen Jensen here. Um, big, big time show, man, but I can't lie. It's a little odd. Uh, the UFC's got me spoiled. Uh, no show this Saturday, bro. Yeah, no show this Saturday, but then they come back the following Saturday on ABC with Till versus Vittori. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So that'll be a, uh, a really good fight. I like that main event a lot, and we'll talk about that more next week. But, uh, but yeah, man, I mean, have a week off, uh, I guess next week, as far as like the fights go, but we're going to have a lot of pro wrestling going on. So, right. yeah, so uh, there's, I'll probably be more busy watching content over that weekend anyways, than it would be most. So got plenty going on and you'll be a part of it all next weekend. So, you know, down there is collective weekend, shout out to everyone over there. It's going to be a part of that, but, uh. But yeah, man, you got to be pretty pumped up. Yes, sir. Uh, four shows. I think I'm on. Uh, I'm on the collective weekend, and then the IWTV showcase of the independence. Uh, kicking things off. I think that kicks off Thursday with family reunion. So it'll be Thursday to Sunday. It's gonna be crazy. We hope uh, any of uh, the pro wrestling crossover fans we have here definitely get fired up for that because there's gonna be a lot of wrestling packed in those four or five days. I know there's more than that. I think uh, some of my boys are getting down there like Tuesday, Wednesday for shows. So full week of shows coming up. Can't wait. I'll leave out Wednesday afternoon. Uh, and uh, it's it's I expect to not sleep, if I'm being honest. Yeah, it's going to be a, a great weekend for me to watch, a, you know, from home as a fan. Um, if anyone wants to watch, by the way, Collective Weekend is next weekend. Um, they're putting a halt over on IWTV to the five-day promo codes starting on the 31st of this month. So if you're hearing this episode right now and you want to check out IWTV for free for five days, right now I'm recording this on the 29th of March. If you use that code right now or before the 31st, you can still get five free days on IWTV. Um, after that, you can still use the code FIGHTTALK, F-I-G-H-T-T-A-L-K, put it all as one word with no space in the promo code spot there on IWTV or IW or IW.IWTV.live or independentwrestling.tv. Um, and basically, if you still use that code after the 31st, it still helps support our podcast. So, yes. you know, so even though you wouldn't get the five free days, we still do get something out of it as, as a podcast. And it is very, very much appreciated still. So uh, please use code fight talk on independentwrestling.tv or IWTV.live. Um, but yeah, man, I'm, uh, I'm very much looking forward to that next weekend. And you know, a lot of good stuff to talk about from this weekend with this UFC card, man. UFC 260 was one for the ages. It had the biggest, baddest rematch of all time lived absolutely up to the hype because it, it's what we kind of, not kind of, we just flat out said last week that for Francis Ngannou, if not now, then when, and he showed now is now with the Finished the knockout punch in the second round. He really teed off on Stipe a little bit in the first round. 
Uh, of course, everyone said the deeper this goes, the the better for Cipe. But um, the fact that he made it the second round it shows off that toughness in his own right. You know, being all the way honest. But the big story, of course, Francis Ngannou, new heavyweight champion. I know you weren't shocked, Stephen, but for the story of Francis Ngannou, man, this is a pretty cool moment. As much as we both love Cipe. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'll never take anything away from Stipe Miocic. He is a great dude. The guy's a firefighter. I mean, that's something that I think people don't really fully understand is he spends probably more time of his week as a firefighter than he does training for MMA. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's legitimately, you know, one of the greatest UFC, probably the greatest UFC heavyweight champion there's ever been. And he's like a part-time fighter. I mean, that's how just badass this dude is. And he's a great guy. He's loved by his family and his community and everything. And the fighters all love him. And it's, I mean, he showed a lot of heart, a lot of guts, a lot of toughness in that trilogy with Daniel Cormier. And I mean, I can't say enough good things about him. But, you know, for those of you who've been listening to this show, building up to this fight, I hadn't gone to the whole time. Like, I wasn't super, um, you know, I wasn't super confident about it because Stipe is everything that I just said, but the way Ngannou has been finishing people lately, I just thought he was going to be able to connect and he was, and he put Mm -hmm. him down, you know, and I'll also say this, and this is, I know we'll talk about John Jones here in a second, but like it made it even that whole thing, even more interesting for me because Ngannou stuffed a takedown from Stipe. Like he looked good with that takedown defense when he needed to use it. And that was a big thing in their first fight where Stipe was overwhelming Ngannou with a lot of his grappling. And Ngannou, you know, we didn't get to see a whole lot of it, but the little bit that we get to, got to see, you know, Ngannou, he stuffed that takedown and, and stayed on his feet and got to work his game plan. And, and he didn't gas himself out in the first round either. Um, so he looked great, man. Uh, and Ngannou, you know, the new heavyweight champion of the world, undisputed, uh, definitive finish. and. You know, good good for Francis. He's putting it all together right now. He looks uh, he looks terrifying in the octagon. Well, yeah, he looks terrifying in the octagon. He's scary as shit to just about everybody but John Jones. Uh, before we, we get into all that, yeah, I just want to do a quick... Uh, you know, I love the numbers. If you listen to the show at all, the history, it's what gets me. So before we just completely shift to, to Ngannou and talk of Jones and everything, just quickly about Cipe wins over Mark Hunt. Finishes over Mark Hunt, Andre Orlovsky, Fabricio Verdum, Alistair Overeem, JDS. Of course, he already had the one win over Francis back in 2018. Beat Samuel Cormier twice. It, you said it, man. It's just one, if not the one of the absolute best heavyweight champions, one of the best champions we've seen. Um, so before you mentioned the John Jones thing, before we get into that, I guess, so are we on the same page there? Are you are you more interested in seeing a a rubber match or are you all in on on Francis and Jones if we can get it? Yeah, I'm all in on Francis and Jones if we can get it. Okay. But but I'm all for a trilogy as well. So it just depends on the timeline. Like John Jones is talking right now and, you know, he's been tweeting a lot and he seems really unhappy with the UFC right now. And he sounds like he wants a bout agreement and he wants, you know fair pay. I'm sure there's, there's probably a lot to it. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure it's a mixture of a lot of things, right? I'm sure he wants to fight with Francis, but 
whatever you know contract agreement he has with the UFC, he wants more money to fight. And they're going to have to figure that out. But if they can get that fight done soon, because Francis took, you know, really no damage against Dipe, which has been another thing for Nganu that people kind of forget is he's been going in there and fighting for like a minute, if that, in a lot of these fights the last like couple years. And then he has to take off months at a time. Like he's been healthy and ready to go. Like this guy could have been fighting every month if he was just doing what he was doing to, you know, everybody. So if Francis wants to fight, which I have no reason to believe he wouldn't want to fast turn around if he could get it. And if Jones wants to fight, you definitely do that fight. And then Stipe fights the winner either way. Because uh, I, I think that Stipe has done enough. I'll put it this way. We've seen people who have done much less in the sport of, of MMA or for the UFC. We've seen people who have done less than, than Stipe get title opportunities. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, we've seen Alexander Gustafson get knocked out by Rumble Johnson and then his, his next fight, fight for the title. You know, we've seen situations where like Jose Aldo, who did a ton for the UFC in the sport, maybe not the best example, but he's gotten opportunities because like when he fought for the Bantamweight title against Piotr Jan recently, like he'd only had one fight at Bantamweight and it was a loss to, um, to Marlon Marais controversial a lot of people thought Aldo won but the judges scored it from rise so it's like nobody could tell me that in today's day and age Stipe coming off of that knockout loss as the champion with the most heavyweight title defenses in the UFC's history mm-hmm. and with that prior win over Nganu like he definitely deserves another shot at the, t- at the title if he wants it so I uh I'd say that they do Francis and Jones if they can't get that done for whatever reason here, here's another thing with Stipe. He takes a lot of time off between fights. So, like, I could... Because here's the other thing, too. Like, if Jones isn't ready to go and Stipe wants to take, you know, six months, eight months, whatever it is, off, I'm just assuming, Derek Lewis is right there ready to go. So, you do Derek Lewis and Francis Ngannou. You have that rematch and hope that it lives up to the hype that the first one didn't. So like Francis, if Francis is ready to fight, he has contenders right now ready to go. And I, uh, you know, I'm just excited to see him in the octagon again. No, that's me. That was the big story we keep going back to of just having Brex back, having him back in there all the time off. Stipe, uh, a family man now. I mean, that's the question for me for Stipe is at 38 years old, we know he's he's got his, they've had a, their first child a couple of years ago. I believe they had a little girl um, who is probably going to be like three this year. Yeah, was born in 2018. So she'll be three this year. Um, and, and you bled off with it with the firefighter stuff. If I'm Sipe, I mean, he's got nothing left to prove. You know I mean? Again, winning that world title, that heavyweight title, a third time would be sick. But, I mean, what's left really? He's done all this. If, if this is, um, if he's okay, kind of stepping away from the title picture, maybe coming back to fight one of those ever always talked about super fights, maybe um, before this year's out or, or whatever, whatever. I'm here for it. I think we all, whatever Steve A wants to do, we're cool with, which opens up that door that we keep talking about it. John Jones, uh, what's going on maybe with Derek Lewis, who now is being used as leverage. Of course, the the big news is, is Francis Wynn, but the news right under that would have to be Jones, Bones Jones on Twitter this weekend. Of course, he and Dana White kind of 
going back and forth without really going back and forth. Bones said, show me the money. Dana basically said, actually, I've got the quote right here. He, he said, if I'm John Jones and I'm home watching this fight, I'm start moving to 185. He says 85, but of course, saying 185. Uh, Bones replied, go to 185. I didn't gain all this weight for no reason. And then from there, it was basically just Johnny Bones Jones, you know, rattling off, you know, that it's if Connor wants to get big money, it's fine. But if Jones wants, now he's scared. And then, of course, the Twitter people saying, well, do you want to fight or not? And that again goes back to our old thing of everyone, every fighter across every promotion, not just the UFC, should be paid more. So I get it. It's just it, it, with Bones' history and all that, it makes this for such a crazy, just a crazy discussion, man, uh, because you do have a Derek Lewis here that's won, I believe, four in a row, right? You've got Dana, who's more than happy to throw him in there, hoping that that rematch that we all talk about is just one of the biggest letdowns in MMA history. So maybe round two, we get a title fight. It's a little bigger, a little better, much better of a, of a fight, hopefully. Um, maybe, you know, that, that's right there. So if I'm Dana White, I would not be shocked to see Derek Lewis get that title shot. And then I, I believe uh, Bones came back and even said, listen, if they want to do that, that's fine. We don't have to rush this. Uh, and then I believe the final thing said was the UFC is apparently going to get Jones some kind of fight, you know, contract or at least um, an idea of something next week. And Bones saying he's going to stay uh, loyal with the UFC. But the big question to you outside of, you know, all this title stuff, I guess the more hypothetical Steven Jensen is jo John Bones Jones. What if he wants to just say, I don't want to fight for the UFC anymore. Like I don't want to go somewhere else. I mean, it's possible that he'll say that, but I don't know how many fights are left on his contract. I don't know if anybody knows that or not. Yeah. That's a, that's a great question. The, the biggest uh, question mark at all of you, all in MMA right now might be John Jones contract. Yeah. Because if it's like one fight left, there might be a possibility of him like getting out of that or something or like buying his way out somehow, or I, I don't know. Like, I, I think that's really interesting. Something no, none of people are talking about in like the sports world. I feel like is how Blake Griffin like recently bought himself out of his contract to, to leave the team he was on. I don't know a ton about the NBA currently, but like I heard about that. I was like, Oh yeah, you can do that. Can't you? You can just like, if you have enough money and you want out that bad, you can just buy out your own contract from the team and leave. So like, yeah. you know, but I don't know if like you can do that with the UFC or not. I have no idea how that really works like legally, but um, I mean, hypothetically speaking, I guess he could always do that too. Like if he had, you know, one fight left on his deal and he's like, you know what, Dana, I'm out of here. Here's the money. I'm going to go make, you know, quadruple this money anyways, the next time I fight for anyone else. Cause that's the other thing too. Some of these guys have a lot of, market value for you know you can look at like the tito ortiz and chuck liddell three fight as like an example of you know people who were definitely like way out of their prime when they did it but it's possible to like put on your own thing like john jones if john jones left the ufc and didn't want to go to bellator or whatever and just wanted to get like you know a huge slice of that pie of like having his own event like you know i feel like if if you know, the Paul brothers can do their own, basically their own boxing events and it'd be that successful. John Jones going out there and having his own MMA show that he made events, I think would like, he'd probably make way more money if he did that on his own than under contract with the UFC. So, 
you know, very just it's just interesting to think about all those kind of scenarios. So, you know, at the end of the day, I think John Jones will stay with the UFC, and I think he will fight for the heavyweight title. But they got to figure out whatever's going on between him and Dana and get get everything done and everyone on the same page. Yeah, it's it feels like we've been having this John Jones discussion and Dana and all this for I mean years. Like I. I I thought if you'd have told me that uh, that when was the exact date? So Dominic Reyes, right? February eighth, twenty twenty. If you'd have told me we would be here March, almost April of twenty twenty one, and uh, and John Jones hadn't fought, I would believe you. But I would also have the the question of like, well, is he good? Like, is there an announced fight at least a year from now? I mean, his journey to twenty six one and one is one of the craziest like. It's it's a 30 for 30, right, that we're just waiting to have some sort of ending to. So for, for everything that's come out with all this, man, it we're still left here going, as interested as we are and as much as we're talking about this, we have no idea what's going on just because all the side stuff, commission stuff, who knows what's going on there. Again, money money talks uh, in this in this business, so... I'm sure if Dana and Jones and everybody in the UFC wanted this fight to happen, it would absolutely happen. I think it's, I mean, there are definitely bigger money fights, I'm sure, in the UFC, but like John Jones returning against Francis and God, it feels like such a, I mean, that is a moment in heavyweight history, right? I mean, Bones moving up, and uh, God, feels like the guy for right now, the just, you know, unstoppable kind of thing. It feels almost kind of like um, when, when that Machida Shogun, all that run again before Bones took over, it felt like, okay, here's the, this is the Shogun era now. Well, shit, now it's the, the Machida era now. Now it's so Bones in that spot again at this age. It's almost surreal to say that he could, he could. It's a big could in all caps, but he could again be in there against quote unquote the next big thing, and uh, and could be the one to to kind of take that division over. So. It feels very fitting, but all this could be for naught if the money isn't right, because that's what it's always going to come down to, is that money. Um, what do you think about, if Jones can't happen, what do you think about Derek Lewis and Ganu as the first uh, first defense for the Predator? I'm good with that. I mean, I have no problem with that at all. I, I think that it would be a better fight than the first time they fought. I feel, I feel sure. like, it, like there's no way it couldn't be. <laughs> exactly. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, so I have no problem with that. And Derek Lewis deserves a title shot. Like, he's definitely the number one contender as far as, like, you know, if you yeah. don't count John Jones. Um, and, you know, John Jones would only, he obviously isn't ranked technically at heavyweight, but you know what I mean? Like, he would get the title shot. So, and also kind of like what you were saying a second ago, I wanted to touch on with Dana White saying that Jones should, you know, like, if I saw that, I would drop down to 185. It's like, you know, people can, people can say whatever they want about John Jones and have their opinions about him. There's a lot of reasons to dislike the guy. But to for the boss of the comp, of, you know, the president of the whole thing to, like, go out there and kind of, like, discredit you like that, like, I would feel pretty, I'd be pretty salty about it, too, if I was John Jones. Like, because this dude has defended the title, like, 15 times. He's... He, I mean, he basically, I'm just, no disrespect to his, his opponents in his last few fights, 
but I'm sorry. Like, I'm just going to say it. And there's some people who definitely disagree and hate hearing this, but like Anthony Smith, Dominic Reyes, um, Chago Santos, those were only close fights because John Jones went out there and kickboxed. If he would have went out there and actually fought a well-rounded fight, like like he did when he won the title in his first few defenses, if he would have used takedowns, if he would have went for guillotine chokes and in Camoras and all that, like those are totally different fights. Like the dude got, I know, I, I honestly believe this. He got so bored at being at the level he was at that he just went out there to make it interesting. Like he wasn't going out there to lose, but he was going out there and kickboxing people. Like we didn't see him going out there going for double legs and going for like, you know, leg sweeps and stuff against any of these guys. He was going out there and just kickboxing them and beating them at their own games. So, like, for Dana White to to be like, oh, yeah, because I think Dana White's trying to make it sound like he's afraid of Blahovich. Yeah. And, and dude, like, I've on I've been on the Blahovich train longer than most people. I, I'm a huge fan of that guy. But there's nothing, there's, Dana, or uh, John Jones is not afraid of Jan Blahovich. Like, John Jones isn't afraid of any of these guys. John Jones is, is pro- talent-wise, John Jones is the best fighter I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you can't. So for Dana White to say this stuff, it just bugs me because it, it's similar to when, like, when Curtis Blades beat Alexander Volkanov, or Volkov. And and after the fight, Dana was just like, yeah, I mean, he won. But, like, what, who really won, right? I mean, boring fight. Like, you know, Blades isn't ever going to get a title shot after a performance like that. And it's like. Yeah, but the dude just beat one of the best guys in the world. Like, you got to give him some credit. Like, it's it's weird hearing the the president of the company kind of kind of almost talk trash about the fighters on his roster like that. Because then you also, when you take that kind of stuff into account, and if you're in John Jones's shoes, like it's different from the outside looking in for us. But if you're in John Jones's shoes and you've accomplished the things that John Jones has accomplished, and you literally like handed back their their light heavyweight title because you had no challenges left in your mind and you put on all this weight so you can go up and challenge yourself and fight legitimately the baddest men on the planet at heavyweight. And then for your boss to come out and be like, if I was him, I would run away from this. It's like, Mm. why why would you say that? You know, it just sounds like really bad business because now, now you got to really deal with negotiating with the guy. Now you're going to have to beg to get John. Like, Janet White doesn't want to lose John Jones. You know what I mean? Like that would mm-hmm. be the dumbest business decision ever to, to just have a falling out with him and him leave. So like why add fuel to that fire? Like you want negotiations with a guy like him to go as smooth as possible. And there's, there are just guys like John Jones, like the Diaz brothers, like Conor McGregor. There are certain guys that have just hit a level where you have to treat them a little differently. And you got to treat them like stars because that's what they are because they bring in a lot of fucking money for Dana White in the UFC. And it's a lot of fucking money that they don't wind up getting. You know, mm-hmm. like, they're the ones in there putting their fucking bodies on the line. Dana White in the UFC, they're worth literal billions. John Jones isn't a billionaire, but when John Jones fights, he brings in a shitload of money for you every time. You know, so, like, I, it does, it, you know, I'm getting kind of fired up talking about it, but it's one yeah, of those things. Are. But it's like, if I'm John Jones, I'm pissed. You I know? You know, I and I once again I get why people dislike John Jones. His outside the octagon stuff and, and certain things he's done, I get it. But like, if you're, if I'm John Jones, I'm I'm fucking pissed, and I totally understand it. I 100 understand it. The guy, his only loss, he didn't lose. Um, mm-hmm. Right? He he's he's beat. I, the names, I, I, I love the argument. Uh, shout out Cole Rabbit, but me and Cole Rabbit had a had a, a 
excellent the conversation. In his opinion, Habib is the greatest of all time. I'm a Bones guy, though. I love both. And my whole thing is, look at these names that Bones has beat. We talked about the name Stipe beat. Jesus, you look through just Hall of Famers, legends, like, to fan, depending on what your age and where you're at in MMA, pillars, like pillars of your fanhood of MMA guys that, like, for me, is Shogun Hua, you know, this maybe the newer fans may not realize, but like Shogun Hua is the fucking guy. Like, Shogun Hua is the guy, and he got it finished, like, TKO'd by John Jones in 2011. When Jones was how old? I gotta double check. He's born in eighty-seven, like twenty-three or something. Dude, like the just that's insane to me. And for this kind of disrespect, and it all comes down to, to leverage, right? To control. Dana White loves to be in control. He's the guy. He, he he does. You can't control someone like John Jones that knows his worth. Again, all the outside of the stuff. I know it's 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 bad look, and I understand anyone. If you hate John Jones, I'm not going to, I'm whatever you do. You I, I'm with it. I probably hate people. You'll like, it's fine. But the, the skill of it all, there's just, it's a fucking shame to the sport. If money or attitude or ego, whatever you want to call it, is keeping this dude from doing what he was put on this earth to do, let alone in a fight that huge. Like you could put, you know, two other fights on that card and charge like, 80 90 bucks probably like boxing prices and people would pay yeah 100 percent. and just for the sake of this i'm just going to read out the list of of people that john jones has defeated Please in do. the ufc okay i love this shit let's go back to the beginning of his ufc career he came into the ufc undefeated um and we're going to start with uh we'll start with ufc 94 because he comes in he, be, he beat stefan bonner at ufc 94 he had, he had beaten uh, Andre Gassamo, who, you know, no one has really heard from since. But you got Stefan Bonner, who's in the UFC Hall of Fame. Um, you have Jake O'Brien beats him by a guillotine choke. He loses to Matt Hamill in what you mentioned earlier was yeah. just a really bad DQ that really shouldn't have, like, <clears throat> it should have, it, it should not count as a loss on his record. Like, I would have no problem if it's a slippery slope because everyone would do this if it happened, but like I wouldn't be mad if John Jones appealed that and like they took that away. It should have been a warning. It shouldn't have been like a DQ. And he had Matt Hamill finished anyways. So it was, yeah, that was just a really unfortunate circumstance. Mm-hmm. But then after that, beats Brandon Vera, Vladimir Matashenko, Ryan Bader, who, you know, double champ in Bellator, only one champ now, but was double champ very recently. Shogun Hua. Pride legend, former UFC heavyweight, or sorry, former UFC light heavyweight champion. Rampage Jackson, former UFC light heavyweight champion. Leona Machida, former UFC light heavyweight champion. Rashad Evans, former UFC light heavyweight champion. Vitor Belfort, former UFC light heavyweight champion. Shell Sonnen, former uh, challenger for the title at middleweight and light heavyweight. Alexander Gustafson, title challenger multiple times. Glover Teixeira, former title challenger, going to be challenging for the title next. Daniel Cormier, former double champion. Alexander St. Peru. I'm sorry, Alexander. Ovin St. Peru. Um, <laughs> he, uh, which was his return fight. And OSP, um, they went the distance on that one. Then you had the win over Daniel Cormier that got overturned. Initially was a head kick. Beats Alexander Gustafson again. Beats Anthony Smith. Beats Thiago Santos. Beats Dominic Reyes. Like, and, and, and Dana White's going to say he's afraid of fighting somebody. Are you kidding me? 
Oh my god. It, it's it's outrageous the the things that Dana White has said over the years and this is definitely up there for me the idea of a, a guy that at the, you know at the ripe old age of 22 23 is in there with straight fucking killers dudes that you know Bones grew up like that's a pipe you know what I mean like when he really hit this fight game hard of understanding the levels of this and you're in there, like, if he ain't scared then, why the shit is he scared now, Dan? Come on, bro. Come on. Yeah, like, I get that Francis is a scary dude, and he's he a is. big guy. But but John Jones, like, John Jones would be coming into that fight at, like, 230-something, 240-something pounds. Like, John Jones is putting on size. Like, it's not like it's this... That's another thing. People are like, John Jones coming up to heavyweight is going to get worked by these by these guys. Imagine John Jones not having to cut weight also, though. Like the dude has to cut a lot of weight to make 205. He doesn't have to cut any weight. He, he's going to be encouraged to put on weight for this fight. Like, I don't think there's going to be this gigantic size difference with him at heavyweight. And he's going to be bringing his... If he goes back to how he used to fight, because I think a lot of people judge him way too much on his last few fights. If he fought... If he goes in there and fights Francis Ngannou, the way that he went in there and fought guys like Leota Machida, if he goes in there and does that, with I mean, when he fought Daniel Cormier, he was taking down Daniel Cormier, who was an mm-hmm. Olympic wrestler. You know, John Jones, if he's motivated and he wants to fight a well-rounded fight, I think he could go in there. And he, I, I, I chose Ngannou over Stipe. I would take Ngannou over everybody in the heavyweight division right now, except for John Jones. Because I think John Jones can still take him down. He could submit him. He can ground and pound him. I think Ngannou would be lost on his back. It was it was interesting to see how he could stop Stipe's takedown the one time he went for it, but John Jones is just a different animal. He just is. I I, I think John Jones would beat all of these guys still, and and I you know it just and I'm not even like this humongous John Jones fan either. You know what I mean? Like I'm a mm-hmm. fan of his, but I'm not one of like these guys that like is really like like a super John Jones supporter or anything like that. I just I can just recognize greatness when I see it. And I, you know, could Francis Ngannou knock his head off as well? Absolutely. Sure. But, but, you know, I think there's a lot of people that think John Jones stands no chance against a guy like Francis Ngannou. And I think the complete opposite. No, I'm one. I, I know we kind of joke, you know, at times this and that about who, um, you know, who, who we hate picking against and who beat who. And this like, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head right now that I would pick over John Jones in a fight. Like, I get, like, like what you're saying, motivated. Like, I know it's Bones. Like, it's Bones fucking Jones in there. I, there's no one. The reach he has, the skill he has, the, the mind for fighting. I mean, like, we, keep, we keep talking about it, but it's just the fact that he won so many of these fights beating you at what you do. Right. That's the, that's the level of this. He's great, but he's greater than great because he knows I can do this and that. I want to beat you at your game in, in the biggest lights in front of the biggest crowd. I'll pay. Like That is just, it's so impressive to me. And it's something that like, again, all the outside stuff, say what you will, but we're just talking about fights, man. I've never, I've never been more in awe of a fighter outside of maybe like Anderson Silva at times. Uh, than than John Jones. So uh, if this fight can get done at all, man, it, it's the fight to make again. Um, Bones did say there's some sort of fight contract or something of that nature uh, that is coming up this week. So hopefully before the week is out, 
um, we get some kind of word of, of, you know, maybe we can get this going, maybe do something, get this. If, if not Jones and, and Francis, do Francis and, and Derek and get Jones a heavyweight fight and then uh, and let's get this going because right now, especially with Steve possibly taking all time off, whatever he's doing, that is a big fight. And that's a, that's a name when the UFC needs names. Well, and it is also worth mentioning, I'm looking at Jones's Twitter right now, and he's deleted a ton of tweets. Oh, <laughs> um, okay. okay. Something's going on. So, like, as we were talking, something is happening where he took down, like, all of his, like, negative UFC tweets that he put up this morning. So, um, hopefully that's a good sign that they yes. are figuring this out. But it's it just sucks that you have to watch this play out like this. Just make the deal happen. Like, don't don't honey dick us or anyone. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, like why exactly are you, what it is. Yeah, like, John Jones versus Francis Ngannou is the fight to make. Just make it. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity you have to just have a fight that could be this awesome. And here's the other thing. If Ngannou wins, then he's the first guy to ever really beat John Jones. For sure. You know, he, and that's going to catapult him big time. Stratosphere star. And when was the, like, when was the last time... At this level, two guys both completely in their prom, like mid thirties. Just there's not a better time to see this happen. There's just not. It, it needs to happen. Yeah, uh, it just needs to. Again, the the big story: Francis Ngannou, new champ. He also got that that 50k bonus. Was the uh, one of the performance of the night bonuses there went to the new champ. So one more time for for Francis the Predator Ngannou. I love his story. If for some reason you don't know, definitely check out uh, Francis' journey to here because this is um, it's just it's it's one of my favorite MMA stories ever. The fight of the night though wound up being our co-main. I would not have guessed that, Stephen, but Vicente Luque defeating Tyron Woodley, submitting him with the Bravo choke in the first round. Fight of the night, fifty k to both competitors. Uh, we said it last week. Woodley going out like this, probably maybe. That time to 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 alter to to pivot to something else, but what a finish! What a performance by Vicente Luque. Yeah, it was, and you know, I'll give credit where it's due. Tyron Woodley came out hot. Like, he did. You know, he was going for the kill, and he got a little. I mean, he 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 hit Luque good a few times. I mean, and Woodley was looking fast. Um, he was looking fast and powerful. Like, but. Um, he kind of, he got a little, he even said it afterwards. He got a little, um, a little like kind of trigger happy Mm -hmm. and, uh, and Luke capitalized, you know, he, uh, Woodley was looking good. And then, uh, he kind of bit off a little more than he could chew and Luke spotted the opportunity and he landed clean. And that was the beginning of the end for him. And it was almost kind of like, it was a Bravo choke, but like, it's basically a Darsh choke. Which is interesting because, you know, Woodley did that to Darren Till. It was kind of like a flashback to, like, a <laughs> previous well, fight that he had won. And that was probably, not probably, that was, like, the last Tyron Woodley fight that, like, I don't want to say was good, but you know what I'm saying? Like, entertaining. So it kind of was a completing the circle moment. I thought the same thing. And I also had to look. That's been three years ago, nearly, the, the Till fight. But, yeah, great finish, Woodley. Uh, that's three three in a row for Vicente, and that's four losses in a row for, for Woodley, bro. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and I'll just say it because I have to. Um, I saw a really funny joke from MMA Roasted. Uh, Adam Hunter is the guy who runs that. He's a 
comedian. He's really funny. And he uh, he said something along the lines of like Tyron Woodley. If Tyron Woodley like wants to go out there and like inflict damage on Luke A, he needs to go out there and start rapping in the octagon. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, so like and then I saw somebody else like later on tweet something after the fight that was like when uh when Luke had Woodley in that submission, Woodley should have started rapping into his ear and then would have made Luke let go of the hold. So I thought that was pretty funny. That's pretty um, good. Yo, that yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, I've been my opinions of Tyron Woodley known on this show. I, I think his rapping is really terrible and I think his acting is really terrible. And I think everything he's doing outside of the UFC is just, I mean, good for him. Like I'm hoping he's getting paid enough to kind of make a fool of himself. But I think that, uh, I mean, his UFC career is probably over, right? Like, I, I think that, I think he'll probably sign with Bellator before we know it, or, or maybe like Bare Knuckle will throw enough money his way that he'll do something like that. But I can't imagine the UFC holding on to him, considering four losses in a row, all to good fighters. I mean, yes. I will say that, but they've cut people before, and you know, guys like Rumble Johnson recently, or. Uh, you know, there, there's been others. It's not that I hadn't thought about it, but there's been there's been fighters that are, you know, in better positions than Tyron Woodley that have gotten cut. Uh, I even remember like years back when they cut John Fitch, who was like the number three ranked guy or something at welterweight when they cut him. And they did it because they were like, yeah, he's fought the champion a couple of times, though. He's just not he's never going to be the champion. And we pay him a lot of money. So like, but we'd rather spend the money on someone who could potentially become the champion one day. So. That's kind of where Woodley's at, I think. I don't think the UFC will give him another fight. And uh, and here's the thing. If he goes to Bellator, I think he could have some success. But I think Douglas Lima totally works him if they fight. So I don't think he'll be the champion there either. No, I, yeah. And, you know, he, Bellator, I saw the the meme of, uh, of uh, oh, boy, doing the, like, the, there's the baby, the, the baby, like, hand, uh, hand rub. And it's like Bellator right now seeing uh, seeing Tyron Woodley lose this fight, just just ready. Because it does, it feels like that's the move. There's some good fights there for him, for sure. You he know what I would do? I, I want to know. I would do Woodley versus MVP. Oh, my God, yes. Because like, if Woodley can beat, because MVP hasn't beaten any, like, real good fighters with, like, real big names. If he could beat Woodley impressively, it's like, it would do a lot for him like name value wise and if Woodley could beat MVP it would keep him relevant you know oh yeah no that's that absolutely makes sense to me and that feels like a fight that obviously those two fan bases would totally get behind I mean maybe it's this would be good for Tyron Woodley I know I I hate you never want to you know leave with a four loss you know four losses in a row again though those uh there's some really good names he lost to along the way um Kamara Usman, Gilbert Burns, Colby Covington, of course, uh, Luke has passed. So uh, maybe it's good for Tyler Woodley. Brand change, get over to Bellator. There's some good fights there. Definitely some money to be made there. Um, before we get to our next fight with Vicente Luque, now three wins in a row, all finishes uh, at the age of 29 years old. What what are you thinking about Vicente Luque moving forward, bro? He's in an interesting spot because – uh, Tyron Woodley was ranked number seven going into this fight. Luke was number 10. So he'll definitely be in the top 10 still, probably around number seven. He'll probably take Woodley's ranking, maybe jump uh, Magni and Maya in the process. Either way, he'll be in like, you know, the bottom half of the top 10 somewhere. He already lost to Steven Thompson. Mm-hmm. It was a really good fight, though. Like, it's a fight. Fight of the night. 
Yeah, 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 for sure. And that, and that was on the that was the fight of the night of the BMF title show. So I, I would say, uh, I mean, I would be fine with a rematch there, but I also kind of feel like Thompson, based on what he's done, also kind of deserves to be in that mix. It's it's tough because like Masvidal and Usman has to play out and that's going to happen in like, what, like a month? Yeah, most. Yeah, so definitely. and then you've got. Burns. Well, you got Edwards in a really in like a real no man's land. Um, maybe that's what you do is if I mean, if Edwards isn't going to get a title shot, maybe you do Edwards and in Luke because that's a that's a really good stylistic matchup. Although I think Thompson versus Edwards makes more sense. Um, Burns, I mean, Burns and Covington makes all the sense in the world. And the Edwards and Thompson fight, those are losses that Luke could get back. He lost to Leon back in 2017. Um, forgot about that. Okay. He, well, I did too. I had to look. I go, have they fought before? Yeah. Back in 2017, the main event of that card, um, I believe it was Corey Anderson and Jimmy Manawa. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That card. So it's been a minute. I mean, you know, that was a decision win for Leon. Uh, the fight you mentioned, Wonder Boy beat him by decision as well. So, you know, a good revenge kind of fight. And hey, it's been some time. Uh, the, the Thompson fight, 2019, I guess not that long ago, but the Edwards fight, we're talking four years ago at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in either I'm fine with. I mean, also Michael Chiesa, like, he definitely deserves something too. Both of them are kind of in the same spot, but, like, Chiesa, it's, it's just tough. It's one of those things where it's really tough because the title fight that's happening doesn't make a ton of sense it's kind of like blocking a lot of things that make sense from happening. I think like, mm. you know, cause like Masvidal and Us, cause like in a perfect world, Usman wouldn't be fighting Masvidal. Masvidal would probably be fighting Edwards because like, or Colby, one of the two. Cause like you have those two big fights with those two guys that are already built in between Masvidal and Covington's history training together and the whole three piece and a soda thing with Woodley or sorry with uh, Edwards. And then you have um, Burns who just had the title shot. So the real, really, it like should have been Usman and Stephen Thompson if we're going like rankings wise. Um, so there's, there's, and then everything else kind of falls because of that in different ways. And everyone's in kind of a weird spot because no one knows, because like Colby's in a position right now where he probably feels like he doesn't need to fight anybody and get another title shot because he beat Woodley and he's like, mm-hmm. he's like, Osvaldo's last fight was a loss to Usman and he's getting another title shot. Like, why should I have to fight again? I should get another title shot. I've done more than he has. Um, Burns just lost, so he doesn't have really much he can say, but he really could literally just point at Masvidal also and be like, hey, like he also had a title shot and lost. Like, why shouldn't I get another? Like, Ma- the only difference between Masvidal and anyone else is the popularity and the fact that it was a short notice fight. That's really, that's really it. That's but I it, yeah. But I don't think anybody... Thinks I mean, if Masvidal wins, then we're having a whole other conversation about stuff. But I feel like everyone feels like it's a foregone conclusion that Usman's going to retain. And I'm in that boat, too. Like, I really Same. think Usman's going to win. So it, it's really hard to know how a lot of these fights are going to play out. Because so so I guess that's a long way of saying, you know, Luke, he should fight someone else in the top 10, preferably someone in the top five. But I don't, but we can't really know what's going to happen with most of these fighters until Masvidal and Usman plays out. Because if Masvidal somehow wins that title, 
injure Edwards, like you don't want to be taking any fights because you probably get Edwards versus Masvidal for the title if Masvidal is the champion. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if you're Covington, same kind of boat. Like you need to wait to see these things play out, see who the champion is before you want to take a fight with anybody else. Because really at this point, anybody like in the top five right now without even fighting anyone else could get the winner of, of Usman versus Masvidal wow. without having to fight anyone else. You know what I mean? So like, who knows who it's going to be? That's incredible. Yeah, it's really crazy to say where that the uh, the welterweight division is right now. Uh, Saturday, April twenty fourth, uh, UFC two sixty one, Kamara Usman and uh, Ray Masvidal, part two, round two, ding ding. Uh, just a few weeks away, and we'll have some more answers after that big question. Though I'm I'm in the complete same boat. I, I I will be completely shocked if this fight doesn't go anywhere near the same way as last time. I just We'll see, though. That's why we strap them up and let them fight. Um, again, Vicente Luque, the win in the co-main event. Fight of the night bonus to both Tyron and Luque in this one. Keeping their win streak going. So Vicente will definitely be having an eye to the, the, the ground stone on this next, next couple of weeks in the welterweight division. This next one I've been waiting on. I'm fucking waiting to talk about Sean O'Malley beating Thomas Almeida. Hey, O'Malley puts him down, gets the knockout, third round. Maida could have knocked him out earlier. He really was just, I mean, he looked fluid, man. He looked really confident, good in there with a guy that, frankly, he should have been confident with. As I love watching Thomas Almeida fight, but this is not the same kid that was 21-0, you know, 2015. A lot of L's have stacked up against great talent, not taking anything away from Sean O'Malley. But this is what I expect him to do. He did it, gets the finish. Now we're back. Back on the hype beast train, bro. We're, we're putting up wins if you're Sean. Uh, what did you think about the fight? And then uh, this whole, you know, anyone that doesn't know, Sean's put some some merch out that Jensen called. Like, every time we talk about this guy, he, he talks about this limited merch. It's up now if you're, if you're so interested. Uh, Sean O'Malley selling undefeated Sugar Show hoodies, claiming to be 13-0 and now after this win this past week in Steven Jensen. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack. So, like, big, you know, major props on the win. Like, it was funny to see him drop Almeida in the first round and try to do the knockoff or the the walk-off, and Almeida just stood up and, like, the fight (laughs) wasn't over. So that was kind of funny. And the finish was brutal, and he had to do what he did. You know, like, that last shot on the ground was because of what happened in the first round. Like, he needed yes. to make sure that he didn't stand up again. He needed to get that win. And, I mean, he looked good in there, but, like, he did he did look like he was struggling at times against Almeida, but, like, for the most part, it's about 90% of the fight, O'Malley was in, in control, and he looked good in there. Um the whole limited merch drop stuff and the whole hype beast stuff is, you know, I talked about that a lot last week. If people want to listen to my thoughts on it, but I mean, it's just, it's just funny. Cause you know, he, he basically lost the fight to Andre Sukumtoth. Like he won mm-hmm. on, on the scorecards, but that was because Sukumtoth for whatever reason, didn't get off of him on the ground and make him stand up. Cause O'Malley would not have been able to stand and he would have lost. He had to do the the post fight press conference or the post fight interview in the octagon, laying on his back because his knee was or his leg was just destroyed. 
So, like, you had that. Then you had the clear loss to Cheeto Vera. Like, that was definitely 100% a legitimate loss. So, you know, the whole undefeated thing and the whole... I mean, it's really, once again, just appealing to that whole hype beast crowd. Like, because a bunch of teenagers who spend most of their time watching, you know, FaZe Clan on Twitch, like, they're not going to wear a shirt that says, you know, like, 12 and 1 or whatever. You know what I mean? Like they're not, you know, like it's they're, they want to they want to be feeling like they're back in a real champion, like this, this right. defeated fighter, right? And it's one thing when because O'Malley doesn't, in O'Malley's mind, I, he comes off like he really feels like he's undefeated, like for somehow he's like mentally blocked the whole loss to Vera out and like has all these excuses for it, and it's funny because. We've seen Chael Sonnen do basically the same thing, only it's clear that he's trolling when he mm-hmm. does it. Whereas O'Malley, I think, is actually like he actually believes the hype. You know, like Chael Sonnen will go out there and talk about he's the undisputed, undisputed, you know, best fighter of all time and blah, blah, blah. But like he's a, he's trolling like and everybody knows it that's that's what chael sonnen does and he'll say a lot of stuff tongue-in-cheek and he knows what he's doing and like it's all a character but o'malley says it and, like he really feels like he didn't lose to Cheeto Vera, you know so it's like it's it's interesting i guess is the best word i could say I, you know as long as he's winning he's going to be okay with doing this kind of stuff but if he goes out there because here's the other thing like the level of competition right I'd love to see him fight a guy like a guy like Cody Garbrandt. Like if he can go out there and he can beat a guy like Cody Garbrandt, then any kind of jokes I've made and stuff, I take back. He's legit as fuck. You go out there and beat a guy like that. But I think if he was in there with a guy like Cody Garbrandt, Garbrandt would just clean his clock to the point of like him second guessing if he wants to keep doing this or not. You know, like I think yeah. there's people, I think yep. there's people that are capable of really fucking him up in the octagon. Um, and he looks kind of brittle too. I mean, he almost rolled his ankle during the fight also again. Like uh, at, at one point he like stumbled and I was like, oh my God, he almost hurt himself. Like, like I, I don't know, man. Like, I think he's very, very talented and he, I think he should, he should try his luck against some top 15, top 10 guys. But once you think about kind of how he's looked, I don't, I don't, I don't know how he does against like a legit top ten dude at bantamweight, man. I just, I just don't know. Well, yeah, we talking around the fact that he didn't just lose; he got finished in the first round. Like, yeah, got, he got beat up. Uh, you know, a little, little less than, or yeah, a little less than a year ago, August twenty twenty. Um, I don't know, man. I think you said it perfectly. As long as he keeps winning, it's fine. But like. What happens if you lose again and then you come back and now you're like, oh, well, I'm 14 and 2, or you're going to be 14 and 0? And like, it just feels like it's a very slippery slope that, you know, Conor McGregor, even we've seen now, like he, so he lost to B, but now he's lost to Dustin and he's always going to be a star. And don't get me wrong, Conor is in a much different stratosphere than Sean O'Malley, but it's still that whole thing of like, you know, you got to keep putting these wins together. So, so now you beat Thomas Almeida. Well, who are you fighting that? Like, are you going to be in there with the top five now with a Cody Nola? Or are we just going to keep, we're going to pad that record? Cause that day's going to come, man, when you're going to have someone across from you in that cage that doesn't give a shit what color hair is, that what 
you know, what your record in your mind is like, like Marlon Vera did. Marlon Vera didn't give a fuck who was across from him. He, he very well could have beat anybody that night. So very happy for Sean, man. He got the dub. I'm, I know I'm sounding like a hater right now. My whole thing is like, I live in the real world where like, you win, you put them up, you put these wins up, you, you, you want to talk a little, that's fine. But like, you're coming off a really, not a bad loss, it's a great competitor, but a one-sided loss, and now you're going to look at a camera and be like, undefeated baby, blah, 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 all this shit. I'm like, that ain't for me. But again, not his audience. I get it. Y'all enjoy your 50 75 $800 hoodies, whatever the fuck they are. I hope he gets in there with somebody that can bang and really go. And I, just what you said, if he does it, if Sugar Sean does this shit against a top three, top five guy, absolutely i'll eat some crow but until that day comes i'm just gonna be sitting here going like all right man well let's what's next you know what i mean like what's next yeah well and that's and the thing too is you know o'malley you made the comparison with mcgregor and o'malley really talked about that a lot throughout like the early portion of his ufc run which is still pretty early on but he Uh talked quite a bit about like that he's trying to be like conor mcgregor i mean he's really like that's a lot of what he's doing, but the difference—a few differences—the one big one with Connor is like he benefited big time from being from Ireland because yes. they were fiending for a massive UFC star from there, and and he was like the perfect guy to represent the Irish, and so that helped a ton because they could like bring him to Ireland and have him main event shows before you know. He wouldn't have been main eventing shows in the United States, but he would—he was able to go main event shows in Ireland because he was had such massive buzz because he was their guy. And then on top of that, the level of competition for him, like, sure, you know, McGregor had, you know, Marcus Brimage and Diego Brandown, Dennis Seaver and those kind of guys. But he also had Max Holloway and he had Dustin Poirier on his rise up. And mm-hmm. then his big test was Chad Mendez. And he went out there and finished him. And then, you know, the knocks out Jose Aldo in the next one. And it was like that. And, and then you look at like O'Malley and it's like a bunch of kind of no name guys. And then like gets worked by Cheeto Vera, who's ranked 15 at the time of this recording, I think. And then like kind of doesn't like he looks he, he definitely finished Almeida. Like the finish was nice. The the Kobe fadeaway after was nice. Like, nice. Yep. You know. I'm not a I'm not a giant hater of the guy, but it's like I, I know I definitely sound like that. And there are things about him that make me feel like that a little bit. But I'm just once again, I'm just kind of like I've seen this happen so many times in the world of like video games or sports and stuff where like because I pay really close attention to Twitch and the type of audience that Sean O'Malley is trying to really cultivate is the same kind of audience that will bail so fast if he's losing fights. So, mm-hmm. so you know, he just, and that's the thing, you know, I, I think that coming off of this win over Almeida, I think the UFC will give him a big fight because it is going to be sink or swim time when it comes to that. Because what, what you're risking is him going out there, like Cheeto Vera is a very good fighter, but let's say somebody with less of a name of Cheeto, but the same um, skill level. Like, let me look at the rankings, for instance, at uh, at Bantamweight. So, Cheeto Vera is ranked number 15 right now. I have no idea who's ranked 16 through 20. But if, but if like, O'Malley lost to any of them, it mm-hmm. would look really bad, you know? 
But if O'Malley lost to like, you know, Frankie Edgar, then people wouldn't, you know, it'd be kind of like, well, it's Frankie Edgar, you know, O'Malley maybe just isn't ready for like a guy like that yet. You know what I mean? But like, so mm-hmm. it really, does, so they, they're almost in a position where they have to give him bigger names because it's such a huge step back if he loses to these guys that these, the hype beast fan base doesn't know. Yeah, no, that's, again, it's, it's all this that I get the game plan, but we really, I mean, it's a, again, the slippery slope is my, it's a very slippery slope, bro. It's just going to take one, one of these more, you know, because Connor's going to, he's, he's a back here. He's away. He's going to come back and, and be Connor. It's like you said, he's got the benefit. If you look at his record and you go, oh, well, he did this. I mean, he fucking did that. Like, that Jose Aldo knockout will live on forever after all the bad blood and the talk and the tour and all that. So the history there speaks for itself. Sean's not there yet. And I get it. I'm a fucking boomer. I don't care. Whatever you want to call me. <laughs> Same. You know what I mean? Like, I get it. I'm just, I'm built different on this. I hope uh, all, all the hope that he keeps his wave up, man, because nothing is going to hammer you harder than your own fan base when you let them down. So, uh, you know, in this talk with again Sugar Sean with the dub, got the finish, did he was supposed to do back in the wind column. Looking forward to see where we go from here next for Sugar Sean O'Malley. Uh, he also got that 50k bonus, the other performance of the night. Uh, so the the all the 50ks go. We had the fight of the night, Woodley Luke, Francis, and Sugar Sean both with their performance of the night, fifty thousand dollars to all those fighters. So uh, good night for Sugar Sean, man. Feel good. Hope he has a good rest of the week. Um, I know he was on the what the Mackie show earlier, so that's that's fun. So keep the wave up, bro, because the second you're not, they're gonna let you know. They're gonna let you know. <laughs> hey, and here's the thing: if he just wins out, like good for him. Like he'll yeah. become a massive star if he just keeps winning. But bro, I just yeah, don't know he, how he does against that next level of competition. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like hypothetically, let's say he does rip off like ten, ten whatever in a row, and he's sitting there going, "I'm 23 and 0." There's gonna be people like. Yeah, he's never lost. And I'm going to be like, yes, he did. <laughs> he's he's a great fighter, but goddamn it, he lost. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Shout out Sugar Sean. Got the dub, got the 50K. The, uh, the, the two, we got two fights left in this main card. We're going to go through the prelims a little bit. And then, uh, and then we'll be out of here. And then, of course, be back next week to preview that UFC on ABC return. Darren Till, Marvin Vittori are going to be a banger. But the final two on this main card. We opened things up, Stephen, with a lightweight fight. It was uh, of the five main card fights. Four of them were finishes, and we opened up with a knockout in the first round. Jamie Malarkey defeating Kama Worthy. 46 seconds, man. A uh, hell of a way to kick the pay-per-view off. Yeah, for sure. And it was, if I remember correctly, it was like a really nice hook. And Worthy just went face down. Just really nasty. It was very, very fast. I I remember I was actually switching over from the uh the prelim feed that i was watching over to the pay-per-view and i was like a little bit late on getting everything switched over i had some friends over and i just like when you use espn plus even if you buy the pay-per-view through espn plus sometimes it'll like like the prelims will end but it won't just like switch you actually have to Mm -hmm. like choose the pay-per-view and i was like sidetracked and didn't realize what time it was and literally like you know just talking to people and like we had whatever was running on the tv running and then like we all kind of looked down at our phones and we're like oh shit the pay-per-view started so i had to go switch it on and like right when i turned it on and we saw the knockout it was like the perfect (laughs) timing um so uh so yeah 
it was a really good performance for Malarkey. Tough loss for Worthy. Um, Worthy had a lot of hype, and you know he had that win over Violent Bob Ross and stuff. So like, but but Malarkey looked good in there. I mean, you can't you can't really ask for anything better than that. Forty six second knockout round one starting off the pay per view. And he was coming off two losses with Jamie Malarkey. He started his UFC career zero and two losses to Brad Riddell and Perez Ziam. The both of those were in October. It's such a weird October twenty nineteen loss, October twenty twenty loss. And then he gets his first win under the UFC banner uh, in just outstanding fashion. Um, so, Jamie Malarkey, I mean, not a ton to really talk about the future of these two because, you know, Kama, that's what two, is that two in a row now, two losses in a row now, both by finishes since that win over Violet Bob Ross. And then, like I said, the, uh, the fact that this is Jamie's first win in the UFC, big moment for him. But uh, I guess really we'll just kind of keep an eye out moving forward of what, where these two go, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I mean, both could have a bright future still. I mean, it was great to see Malarkey get that win, like you said, coming off the two losses, because he literally went from, good, from if he lost this fight, to probably being cut to, mm-hmm. like, you know, he's definitely not going to get cut now, and that is a highlight real-type knockout. So, so yeah, good stuff. Good win for Jamie Malarkey. The second fight in the car, our final fight on the main card to discuss, Miranda Maverick. Defeating Jillian Robertson, unanimous decision, 30 27, 30 27, 29 28. Just a solid win for Miranda Maverick, bro. Yeah, she's a really good fighter. Like, and I even called this on last week's show. I said, if they can't find a big enough fight yes. to, to fill the, the co main of Volkanovsky and Ortega falling out, I said, I bet they'll bump the Jillian Robertson fight. And that's what they did, and it's she's overhyped. I said it last week. I'll say it again. Like, I mean, I I don't I'm not like shitting all over, her, but she isn't that good. Miranda and Miranda Maverick is really good. Like, I, I wasn't surprised at all by the outcome of this fight. Um, Maverick actually has some pretty good wins in Invicta before she came over to the UFC. Like, she beat Pearl Gonzalez, who I like a lot. Um, you know, she she just outclassed Jillian Robertson. She's a better fighter. She looked. She looked way more comfortable on the feet than Robertson did. And uh, I think Robertson's still fairly young. That must be part of where, like, this hype comes from. Um, She's 25. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. But, I mean, now that's back-to-back losses. Um, She's 9-6 and for her career. Like, that isn't, that's not impressive. Like, you know, it just isn't. Um, And what, that's, she's lost three of her last five. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and the, one of them was to Macy Barber, who they're also trying to do this with. Yes. Um. You know, Macy Barber's lost her last two fights, and they were trying to do the same thing with like the push the young, uh, kind of the the young stars where they almost very similar to like a Paige Van Zant type situation, right? Where Paige was a good fighter, but she wasn't great. But because she was so marketable in their minds, she was getting like these big pushes, and she get main events and all these opportunities. I feel the same way about Macy Barber and, and Jillian Robertson. These these fighters that the UFC thinks they can turn into stars, but they just aren't that good. Um, good enough to be in the company, probably, but like never going to be the world champion. So, um, so yeah. In Maverick, I don't want to take anything away from Maverick. She looked really good in there. She got the win. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing more from her at flyweight. So big win for for Maverick. And at the very least, even though it was through being overhyped. More, a lot more people are going to know Maverick now because a lot of people were probably on the Robertson hype train. Yeah, and it feels like Miranda Maverick might be kind of 
she might be the one they're trying to make. You know what I'm saying? I'm looking at her record right now, 92. She has won five in a row with a couple of finishes. Uh, three of those actually were finishes, th- uh, two submission, a TKO, Dr. Sausage, two decisions. Putting wins up, performance of the night, and her last fight in Invicta, she won the performance of the night. She won the flyweight tournament for Invicta back in 2019. Uh, undefeated exhibition record. I mean, she's only lost two fights. One to Deanna Bennett back in 2019, and then 2018, Broken Walker Sanchez. Other than that, man, nothing but wins for Miranda Maverick at the ripe old age of 23 years old, dude. Well, I didn't realize she was that young either. Yeah. That, that's great. That's great for the UFC and for her because she could really be built as a legitimate uh, star and contender at at women's flyweight. Because if you look at those rankings, let me pull those up because th- those are getting really thin. Because you have Shevchenko taking on Andrade, which is definitely the best fight they can make at flyweight right now. But that's happening next month. Um. And then you look through those rankings and it's like Shevchenko has beaten Chukagin. Lauren Murphy hasn't gotten a shot yet. I'd like to see her in the mix. Uh, Shevchenko has beaten Maya. Shevchenko has beaten I. She's beaten. Uh, I mean, it's like you just look at like half the list. Shevchenko's already beaten. Um, and they weren't even close fights. I mean, most of them were, were very, very one sided. And like I said, I like the Andrade fight, but. Then you look at, you know, Jillian Robertson was ranked number 15 coming into this fight. So at the very least, um, at the very least, why is her name blanking? Uh, Maverick will be ranked number 15 at, at least after this. And, you know, right ahead of her would be Macy Barber. I think she's a better fighter than Macy Barber. Um, so it's really, she's really going to be in the mix very soon. Like, I could see them doing maybe Maverick versus like Roxanne Modafferi or something like that. And that would get her into the top 10 if she could win a fight like that. Um, so I, she's a name that I think we're going to be talking about more and more. If she gets one or two more wins at flyweight, we really could be talking about her as like the next challenger for the title. Man, that's so crazy. It's so like I'm with you. I'm looking at this 23 years old, nine and two, five in a row. Like, that's a story right there, man. We're, we're in the midst of this. So, yeah, Miranda Maverick may end up a few months now or by the end of this year, we're going to look back and say that's kind of one of those stories we really didn't see coming. So, uh, shout out Miranda Maverick. That's the uh, that's the main card. One is a tight. Uh, it's a badass. That's a badass name for a know, fighter, I, I, too, right? <laughs> Miranda Maverick. I think your nickname says Fear the. So, it's I'm a, Ma- I'm a Miranda Fear the Maverick. Like, <laughs> that's fire, bro. Yeah, man. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Give me some merch, Miranda. Uh, prelim card. We had three decisions. Well, the early, early prelim. We had one fight. TKO finish. The prelim card on ESPN. Three decisions. The only finish was the the quote-unquote main event of the prelim card. A catch-weight fight. Alon- Alonzo Minifield defeated Fabio Charette by the, uh, the Von Flew choke, which I know was a big hit in the, uh, in the Jensen household, bro. Yeah, always love seeing that. And that's what I would mainly highlight from the prelims would be mm-hmm. that man of field, Von Flew choke. Always good to see. We brought up OSP earlier on the show when I was talking about John Jones's record, who it's basically his move now, which is pretty cool. Um, and I also want to just really quickly shout this out, too, because my picks are very hot and cold uh, recently. But I got every pick on the main card right, except for that malarkey and worthy fight. So oh, golf good, good, good predictions. Good predictions for oh, me yeah. this time. Um, 
but yeah, then you had, yeah, Menafield looked great on the prelims. Uh, Nurmagomedov, uh, that's uh, Habib's cousin, uh, defeating Jared Gooden. I mean, clearly won all three rounds. Uh, Michael Alexichuk, split decision, really, really close fight. Omar Morales over Shane Young, won all three rounds, clearly. Um, and then, yeah, I, I actually missed the uh, the fight pass fight, but um, shout out to Mark Andre Baralt, who defeated Abu Azizar by punches, which I have not seen yet, but it looks like it was very deep into the the third and final round. Yes, sir. Yep. Yeah, I caught. I just caught the uh, uh, the finish on Twitter, so I'm not. I didn't. I didn't see much more than you did. But yeah, good finish. Good way to start the night. You love when you. We can start with a finish and end with a finish. Let alone that that last one again. Main event, heavyweight title. Frank Ngannou and new. We have a new heavyweight champion. We have no idea who the fuck he's gonna fight, but hopefully it's John Jones. If not, Derek Lewis. The rematch. We're all be fired up for. Uh, a lot of stories, man, uh, coming out of this past card, this UFC 260 card, uh, getting us to, you know, wherever we come out with now with Luke A, with Sugar Sean, of course, the heavyweight title, Brandon Maverick, something to keep an eye on. So UFC UFC 260 was definitely one we're going to look back on a card to remember for 2021 as we just a couple of days from April now. Uh, we did it, man. We, we made it through another week one more time. I'm going to remind you. We'll be back next week. We're going to preview that UFC fight night over on ABC, headlined by Margaret or by Margaret Vittori, Darren Till. You've got Julianne Marquez on that, Nina Antaroff's on that card, Smile and Sam Alvey's fighting, Mike Perry's back, Jim Miller's there, Scotty Holtzman. Like, we got some Tennessee dudes in there. Uh, that's going to be good stuff, man. We'll be back to preview that. And then, of course, uh, follow me if you feel so inclined over on Twitter at most KOBK, bro. But that's, uh, that's really all I got, man. Hello, yeah, man. Well, before we get out of here, I definitely got to tell everyone about our friends over at Music City Toys and Collectibles. Because, yeah, founded in 2002, formerly known as Heroes and Legends, Music City Toys and Collectibles is your southern fried source for vintage and modern toys, autographed memorabilia, and all things pop culture. Visit their brand new retail location opening May 1st at 101 West Main Street in Waterton, Tennessee, and keep up to date with all their special in-store signings, online sales, and convention appearances at musiccitytoys.biz and follow them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Music City Toys. And the reason that's so important, y'all, is because I'll be there live in the house. Hopefully, Moe's will be, will be there too. On May 1st at 101 West Main Street, Waterton, Tennessee, I'll be there with Dan the Beast Severn doing uh, the Q&A session. Uh, there's, I think there was like 30 tickets available last week when I last checked. So there's probably less available now. So if you want to be a part of that, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have um, Dan the Beast Severn there signing autographs. Like, I'm going to get some action figures signed by him. I think we're going to be watching some of his UFC fights all, like, in a group together. And then people get to ask him whatever questions that they want. And I'll be kind of running the Q&A session. So it's going to be a really good time. And I hope that you all can check it out. And also, I mentioned at the top of the show, independentwrestling.tv or iwtv.live. You have a couple more days. On the 31st of this month, you can no longer get the five days for free on IWTV using code Fight Talk, but you can for the next few days. So take advantage of that, and you can still use code Fight Talk going forward. You know, after after March 31st, you can still use the code. It won't get you five free days, but it does still help support the podcast a lot if you're using that code. So please still do that. Please help out the show. 
And you can always follow me on Twitter at Fight Talk underscore. I try to keep everything I got going on updated there. Fightful Select Weekender podcast every Sunday. And got shows with Jesse Davin, uh, Doug Bateman throughout the week, stuff like that. So uh, just stay up to date there. Uh, support all things MMA on YouTube. We've got some uh, videos that I've edited over there that I'll be dropping and stuff like that. So um, that's all I've got going on, really. Once again, Fight Talk underscore. Make sure you're following on Twitter for all my updates and all that good stuff. And anything else, uh, Moe's, before we sign off of here? Do go and hang out and do toy stuff and get to hang out with Dan Severn. Or, or you should do that. That's all I'm going to say. Dan Severn's the guy. Hell yeah. I'm looking forward to that a lot. So for jumping Johnny Mosley, I've been Steven Jensen. We'll be back next Monday talking some more mixed martial arts.